G'day and welcome to On The Road. My name's Scott Gibbons and On The Road is your show. It's a show where we, we travel, we go all around this great nation of ours, we talk about caravans, we talk about motorhomes, we talk about tents, places we can go, places we can see, places we can enjoy and it's just a fun show. So if you're ready to go on the road, I'm ready to go on the road, let's go on the road together, here we go. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons, we're on the road, and it's terrific being on the road with you. Ah, oh, we look forward to it. We look forward to it. And what's the other thing we're looking forward to? Is getting away, getting out and seeing this beautiful, beautiful country of ours. And they keep on putting the brakes on, and that's good, because they want us to stay safe. And I think that's important, because if we're not safe, then we don't get to see any of it. So, where are we going to go? I reckon we should do a little tour this week. I reckon we should go down and see all the beautiful things in South Australia. So you ready to go to South Australia? I reckon that would be a beauty. Now, there's some beaut places in South Australia that are coming alive again. So they've been locked down as well, but they're coming alive and they're just going to lure us away and take us down there. So we're going to highlight some of the things. Escape.com.au told us about one of the world's best things that you can do down there. Now, there's a little place. Now, you might need your pencil here. You might need your borrow. You might need your piece of chalk, whatever it be. But it's called the Little Blue Lake, and it's a stunning swimming hole. So it's a vivid blue lake in Mount Gambier. It's got a, a beautiful swimming hole at Mount Shank. Mount Shank, S-C-H-A-N-K. It's about 20K south, and it's like a crater, a crater-like pool in a paddock. Uh, it's family-friendly. It's picturesque. It's dubbed Baby Blue, and the water depth is an average of 35 metres. It's rimmed by high 10-metre walls of limestone. If you want to, if you're daring, you might want to jump that. That's up to you, or just gently ease in for a swim because there's a, a beautiful little level pontoon there. So on sunny days, especially from November to May, the water shines a bright bright blue and you might you might find you might even find if you're lucky some scuba clad swimmers because the lake is actually a collapsed cave and it offers offers a a labyrinth of underwater adventures so you've got to be a licensed caver to be able to scuba in there but oh how good is that now number two is called cabin georgia it's a, a tiny home, true getaway. So they say they don't offer Wi-Fi, but they'll guarantee people a better connection. Oh, isn't that good? <laughs> you get a better connection, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Just like being in the rest of Australia, I think. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's for the getaway lover. So Cabin is C-A-B-N, C-A-B-N, no I. Um, but the, the fellow who created it, he's got tiny houses dotted around South Australia. And this one's Cabin, Georgia. It's in uh, Quitpo, K-U-I-T-P-O, Quitpo, K-U-I-T-P-O. It's built for twosomes, so you can relax and rediscover and reconnect. And it's got a glass ceiling portion, so that lets the stars lull you to sleep in dream time. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so from the deck... You've got views of the bucolic lake, and that takes in local vineyards. And you're only about 40 minutes from Adelaide, so you've got a, a lovely, lovely place if you just want to detox and unwind. How beautiful. Mount Lofty. Ah, oh, number three. Mount Lofty. It's a botanic garden. It's a walk. It's a beautiful park. So you just set the pace. You've got a magnificent living museum. It's a haven for rare and cool climate growth, and it covers a whopping 97 hectares, wrapping around the beautiful eastern Adelaide Hill Slope. So you can make that a destination for you. You can just 
do it gently or do it rigorously, whatever you want to do. You've got scenery changes often with the seasons. So you've got various things that you can do. Uh, and there's themed artworks that are dotted along an easy one kilometre loop around the main lake. So that's lovely. So you've got interpretive walks, you've got free guided tours on Thursdays, and entry to the garden is free. <laughs> I reckon we can all afford that. That's good. So then you can go. There was a pop-up pizza place at Alpha Box and Dice Winery in McLaren Vale, but ah, it proved too tantalising, too, too, too tantalising, and it's now become a permanent thing so it's it's backed by the local music and the wine identity tony Matalo, and it's been acclaimed for pumping out uh, just fabulous peaches so wood-fired oven peaches and you've got mclaren vale wines there as well so you can do all of that it's it's described by the owner as australian australian so he's, <laughs> he's mixed a little bit of the two cultures so you can decide but you've got cellar door prices there. Oh, this is a winner. This is a winner in more ways than one. Kangaroo Island Spirits. It's the best island gin. This is number five. It's the best island gin. So all things gin centre around the talents of Jan and Sarah Lark and their rustic, all-charm, very serious Signet River cellar door on Kangaroo Island. So this couple have been lauded as pioneers of the gin industry. And they uh, nobody, nobody was really surprised when their KISS gin, the K-I-S-O gin, Kisser gin, was named the best contemporary gin in the world. Best contemporary gin in the world at the prestigious International Wine and Spirits Competition in London. Remember London? Remember when we used to go there? London, yeah. So it was... The, uh, the very first accolade for an Australian gin. So that's just fabulous. So you can amble in the cellar door, you can taste some stuff, uh, you can delegate a designated driver so you can, <laughs> you can choose how much you get to drink. Uh, and for $90, you can join a class if you want to and blend your own drops. So if you want to make your own gin, oh, there you go. Now, number six would be Raptor Domain. That's a wildlife refuge. So it's on Kangaroo Island as well. So while you're there... You go to Raptor Domain at Seal Bay, uh, and after the challenges of 2020 and the fires and the COVID-19, the park has reopened. So a number of shows are resuming and includes a one-hour presentation with a keeper and the birds uh, in the park. So that's fabulous. So they've also got shows of venomous creatures and reptiles. So And that's a good deal. That's $42.50 for a half day. So that's wonderful. Now, the Kellermeister, number seven, Again, best in the world, Kellermeister. So it's on the trail of the best of consumables. Consider the Kellermeister Winery where the Pierce family is deservedly celebrating coveted global recognitions for its Wild Witch Shiraz. Wild Witch Shiraz. Because uh, recently it was judged the best wine in the world at the prestigious London Wine Competition. There we go, we're back in England again. So it's a massive achievement. Small family-owned winery adds to a string of medals for the wines that they've done. So if you want a winner of a wine, a winner, best in the world, there you go. So it's Wild Witch Winery. Uh, Coffin Bay, number eight. Coffin Bay, the Oyster Farm Tour. Oh, this is something you've got. If you're into oysters, you've got to do this. It's where they say seafood doesn't get better or fresher. So you can feel like a fisherman. You can don your waterproof overalls. Then you wade in to be seated in the water for a fun session of tasting the ocean zing of oysters plucked straight from the deep at your feet. (laughs) 
So you get to feast on oysters and wine. That's just one part of the Coffin Bay Oyster Farm Tour. And the history of Coffin Bay, the insights and the local farming area and the hands-on oyster shucking lessons, that'll be fabulous. That'll cost you about from about $40 up. So, oh, winner. Number nine. Al Monte Beach, it's a coastal beauty. So day trippers, you get the best of the beach experience as you mosey through Coffin Bay National Park. You get the emus, the chicks, and they'll amble along the roadside. You've got dolphins, and depends what time of the year you go, of course. And then you get to the reveal of the Al Monte Beach, and it's white sands and blue, blue waters and pristine west coast stretch. is oh, it's special to see. So you might even see a whale. You might even see a whale. So pack your swimmers, and if, if you want to, you just do that. And number 10 is the Waterfall Gully. So it's a popular hike. So you drive to Mount Lofty. It's got one of the best, most panoramic views of the city in Adelaide, and you've just got a hike. That's it. You just take a hike. It's just beautiful. You've got a, a regular ritual of keen hikers starting at the end of the picturesque winding road to Waterfall Gully. And then you've got six waterfalls between the gully and Mount Lofty, and there's plenty of options, and that's just fabulous. Now, they're only about 20 minutes from the city, so how good is that? Haven't we got a beautiful world? I reckon we've got a beautiful world. Why don't we let the seekers sing to us about it? It's a world of our own. Now, this was released in about 1965. It was written by Tom Springfield, and it became an international hit. In fact, it was number 19 on the Hot 100 and number two on the easy listening chart. So this is a world of our own. The Seekers, they're Aussie. You know we love Aussie music. That's what we play. Here we go. You enjoy that. We'll be back with you in a little while. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. This show is called On The Road. If you want to find out more, you go to ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au, and that's where you'll find all of our podcasts. So that'll give you a link to all the podcasts, and you can listen to the show anywhere, anytime. So in the meantime, here comes The Seekers.
Oh, yeah, you got to love the sound of the Seekers, eh? Now, what about beach etiquette? Because Club 4x4, they talk about when the blacktop ends. Uh, and some people, some people leave their manners on the blacktop as soon as they hit the sand. So what they've said is that you've, you've ploughed through the Friday afternoon traffic, you've arrived at your favourite beach for a weekend's camping with the family, the sky's blue, the weather's perfect, and everybody's happy fishing and everyone's happy and stoked. But... They got a report of, a, of some people who had a weekend away during busy school holidays, and it wasn't long before they thought somebody had taken the lid off the goose jar. So all the gooses <laughs> came out at once, and they congregated on the one section of the beach, and it made them wonder what happened to the etiquette of beach camping and beach driving. So they said it's not a, a wowser's guide, but common sense comes into it. So it's just the etiquette of beach camping and beach driving. So the, the first one they came up with was respect others' personal space. So when someone sets up a camp so close that you can share their tent pegs, it's guaranteed to get the hairs on somebody's neck a little bristling. So they, as they say, you go away to escape. You go away to get away from everybody else, not to play footsies with the people in the tent next door necessarily. So give people as much space as is practical. If, if you don't, then sometimes a weekend can get rude. And they talk about a fellow by the name of Ray, uh, who he had some people uh, park right next to him, like put their tent right next to his. But Ray is a bit of a snorer. <laughs> so very early in the morning, they were packed up and gone because he was heavenly very, very loud. So, you know, it's one of those things. You've, you've got to pick your spot. Uh, fires, they talk about how you, everyone loves to cook on an open fire, everyone loves to have a drink and everyone loves to have a chat. But, you know, be aware of the rules of fires. So if, if the council says there's a fire ban on, there's a fire ban on. Don't go lighting a fire because you could burn out the whole campground. You could burn out some people's tents. You can do things really, really badly. So, you know, if it's a... Uh, you'll find most national parks, bring your own firewood and just check, just check that fires are allowed. And whatever you do, take your rubbish with you. Don't throw glass bottles and tins and things into the fire because that's a, a really bad thing to do. And the other thing to do, of course, is to make sure that when you leave that you put the fire out properly, like with water, put it out properly, douse it properly, 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 because if you just cover it with sand then that effectively becomes an oven. And, and if someone were to step into it or fall into it, they would be severely burnt. So, you know, there's something. Now, the dunny, the toilet. Remember that someone else is going to use the area after you and you're using it after someone else. So the key here is to position your dunny on the edge of the camping zone and beyond, obviously. So not not next door to somebody, you know, make it nice and nice and private. And depending upon how long the handle of your shovel is, you might be able to dig a two-day or a three-day or even a four-day hole. And remember that you need to have at least 300 mil of sand on top uh, when you finish. So 
an excellent practice, and this is really good, is to leave a stick poking up to show where your pit was. So that's a good thing to do. And the other thing that's good to do is to leave the campground better than you found it. So again, take your rubbish with you, uh, put it in a bin. Uh, if you've got kids with you, then you do what's called an emu parade before you leave. You know the emu dance where you all go around and you and you pick up things? So you make sure that the campground is better than, than you found it. And that's a lovely thing to do. Noise, <laughs> be aware. Oh, this is, <laughs> we've all copped this. Somebody who thinks they can sing K-san uh, after they've had maybe their 10th beer uh, is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So be aware that other people want to go to sleep. They don't really want to hear your Barnsley impersonation. And the other thing, of course, to do is to keep an eye on the kids. So not all four-wheel drivers are that responsible behind the wheel as you want them to be so kids chasing a ball might not even be on their radar so you know where the kids have been digging and they've put maybe a half meter hole in the middle of the hard sand where the cars drive that is a bad thing to do as well because that can cause serious damage if someone drives into that so we've got to be aware etiquette you know it's a two-way thing and and then you've, you've got to work out um you know which way the road rules are because the normal road rules apply generally so as far as speeding and drink driving and whatnot that all that that's the same on the beach and what you find is that the police are increasingly increasingly and so they should monitoring the beaches with speed traps and conducting drink driving checks so there you go now then you've got to watch out for your local rules because some councils will put up their own little signposted rules so be aware of those uh, be patient <laughs> yes be patient this report just tells you about people that, that are just um, cause amazement, if you will. They, they watched a car get stuck at a beach exit. Three mates stopped to help. Uh, two parked up the track a bit, and the third came back to give them a snatch out. Now, that's terrific. So you've got four four-wheel drives effectively blocking the track and two of them unhooking recovery gear. Uh, and then a, a fifth person, a fifth person on the beach, uh, he just took off and then got angry when he had to stop in the soft stuff. So in getting angry, he then created a rooster tails and then dug himself down to the axle. So, you know, you've got to be aware. If somebody's stuck, don't go right up on their bumper again because you're going to have to stop and they've probably stopped because the sand is soft and you're going to get caught there as well. So let your tyres down. We talk about this regularly. Let your tyres down to a proper pressure if you're on sand and carry your own recovery equipment so another story they talked about was as, as they were exiting the beach the bloke in front of them got stuck and so once he had stopped they went around backed up to give him a tow and the first question they asked him was are your tires let down to which they said they said they got the affirmative answer so he already had his snatch out and he already attached it to the recovery point with his shackle and that's terrific but then two unsuccessful snatches, and they went back and asked him what pressures he had in his tyres, and he had 28 PSI. Well, they dropped him down to 18, and then he was easy to get pulled out of, of the bog. So there you go. People are happy to help, but you've got to be able to help yourself as well. And then the last one is, and we just mentioned this as well, watch out for kids, because the kids, they want to have fun, and they're not paying attention, and if the driver isn't paying attention as well, then we've got a recipe for disaster. But that's what happens, so you've got to, you've got to be aware when the blacktop ends. Now, I know Arthur Cobb, a mate of mine, a few weeks ago, requested this song, 
and I was so happy to play it for him. But I think if we're talking about sand driving, we're talking about getting bogged, and we're talking about people who get that sandy mist over their eyes, then you've got to play Keith Urban again, haven't you? You've got to play Keith Urban where the blacktop ends. And here it is, Keith Urban where the blacktop ends. It's really good to be with you. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. It's terrific being with you. And thanks to our sponsors, because we love our sponsors. I'll tell you a bit more about them in a little while. But you've got Hair and Forbes Machinery House. You've got Off-Road Systems. You've got Bold TCRC who do all the things to do with trailers. So if you need your trailer repaired or whatever, but we'll tell you all about those in a little while. In the meantime, here's Keith Urban. And the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well Gonna visit old friends And feed my soul With a black top ends I'm looking down the barrel Of Friday night And riding on a river freeway lights A goodbye city I'm country bound So Monday rolls around <laughs> Gonna kick off my shoes Running bare feet Where the grass and the dirt And the gravel on me Going back to the well Going to visit old friends And feed my soul Where the black tongue ends Working in the grind Is an uphill road I'm punching that clock And carrying that load Busted all week, and then I'm free The weekend belongs to me <laughs> I'm gonna kick off my shoes and run in bare feet With the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well, gonna visit old friends And feed my soul where the black top ends So come on, give me some fresh air, give me that farm Give me some time with you in my arms Far away from the hustle and the pressure and the noise Gonna kick out my shoes and run in bare feet Where the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well, gonna visit old friends And feed my soul, you betcha Gonna kick out my shoes and run in bare feet Where the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well, gonna visit old friends Oh yeah, Keith Urban, where the blacktop ends. Now, where you want to go when you want some really good equipment, really good tools, really good stuff, then you go to machineryhouse.com.au. That's machineryhouse.com.au. Now, they're all over Australia. They're called Hair and Forbes, H-A-R-E and Forbes, and they're all over Australia. And now they're in New Zealand, an Australian company that just celebrated their 90th year 
and they've just expanded again into New Zealand. So they've now got two shops over there and they've got five around Australia and they are immense. So if you want some really, really top-notch tools, you know, like blades and all the good things that you want for your workshop, uh, and not just for your personal workshop, if you've got a business and your business wants to manufacture in Australia, then you go and talk to machineryhouse.com.au. Their people know, their people know their machinery. They know their stuff. So, yeah, you just go and see them, machinerywhouse.com.au. Now, one of the things you've got to be aware of is don't let your fuel tank run down too low. You know how sometimes you have that temptation, you just want to see, oh, how many Ks I can get out of this tank of fuel? And you think, oh, well, if I really, really let it go down to that red light comes on or whatever, then, and sometimes, you know, we forget. Sometimes we forget and we might not be in the right spot where we can just fill up easily. But the important part of this is don't do it. Because what happens is the fuel, it, it cools and lubricates your fuel pump. So that's the, that's the main reason. that Running a fuel pump without fuel is like running an engine without coolant or without oil. It's a bad idea. So if you want your fuel pump to live and to live a long life, then you keep it submerged in fuel because the fuel that's what it does is it cools the electric pump as it passes through like the coolant in your engine and it lubricates the pump reducing wear and tear significantly so a, a good range is to have or a good idea if you want to know the range that you do then you fill your tank up you fill it up and when it gets to that first click and it goes click that's your measuring stick so at that point you clear your, your trip meter you go for a drive you might run it through to half a tank maybe even maybe even down to a quarter tank, so you, you know that you've got plenty of fuel stations around to refill again. And at that point, you refill, and you refill it back up to that first click again. Now, you've, you know you know how many k's you've travelled between the two fill-ups, because when you've done your first fill-up, you clear your trip counter, so you've got the, the zeros on there, and then when you fill up again, you know how many k's you've done, and it's an easy thing to work out. It's an easy thing to work out, so that's good. The other thing is that if you let it go too low, if you let your fuel tank go too low, then you can get air in your system, and air is not a good thing to have in there. So you know, best to have fuel, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fuel up often because, you know, that's, that's what you want to do. Now, the other thing that to, to be aware of, they talk about it as being one of the most important modifications that you can do to your four-wheel drive. And that is, everybody goes out and puts on a bull bar. That's a good thing to do. Everybody goes out and puts in the drawers, and so they should. And if you're going to put in drawers, where do you get them from? Off-road systems. And you just go to off-road systems. You can look them up. You go to offroadsystems.com.au, offroadsystems.com.au. They'll even install them for you if you want, or they can ship them to you. And you can install them yourselves because they give you all the instructions. So really good people, offroadsystems.com.au. Now, here's the thing. If, you, if you're doing all of those adjustments to your four-wheel drive, one of the things you must take into consideration, and it's the forgotten upgrade, is your brakes. So your brakes, because you know, nowadays you use the, the engine braking maybe, you, you slip it down through the gears, but it's not as good as it used to be in the olden days where um, you could just put into low, low and and use the engine to and, and the low, low gearing to slow you down. So today, so many of the vehicles, they've got so much equipment going on with uh, ABS and, and uh, 
the controls that are automatically done with your vehicle. So you, you know, what you've got to do is to make sure that you have your brakes really, really good. So it may be that your stock standard brakes, they may be up to the job, but they might not be good enough. So if you had half a ton of off-road gear and some accessories and suddenly, and you've got your whole family on board, it's not looking as good. So you're going to get some more extra wear and tear and it's just not the right thing to do. So the best thing to do is, is maybe you want to update your pads, get better pads. Look at units that are better for your four-wheel drive application. Uh, maybe your, your rotors will wear down, so especially on braking setups which sacrifice rotor wear for performance, check if, if, if there is a better rotor that you can put on. So rather than using maybe the standard factory gear, you can get a really quality aftermarket solution. Uh, ventilated discs or ventilated rotors, well, they'll expel the heat better. The slotted rotors will get rid of the gases. They'll improve the engine braking performance or your, your braking performance anyway. Uh, the brake fluid is especially designed to not compress under heat and pressure, which means that all your braking force is making its way to the calipers. So if air or moisture gets into the fluid, then that resistance to the compression is reduced. So the, the fix there is your brake fluids are rated by their boiling point and dot dot four fluid is typically good enough for most four-wheel drives but the most important thing is that your fluid is fresh and uncontaminated so there you go and now if you've raised your suspension then maybe you've got to redo your brake lines as well because you know maybe maybe um you know you don't have a, a long enough brake line for your new high suspension and of course your tires uh, the round rubber is the only connection to your ground so if that's not 100 percent then your brakes won't be either. So three reasons why your tyres aren't performing well. They're worn, they're old, or they're just not up to the job. So there you go. So check how much tread you've got. You can decode the manufacturer's date on that. You can look, look that up on Google. Oh, speaking of Google, I tried to look up some of our podcasts today, and I've got an Apple iPhone, and I couldn't get the podcasts. And so I checked with Jason, uh, who the station manager, and he said, get Google Chrome as the app. So that's a free app. So I got Google Chrome and instantly my Apple iPhone picked up our podcast. So if you want to check out on those podcasts, then you go to ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And there's a whole list of podcasts there for you. A whole list of oh, 45, 46, 47, something like that. And of course, if you want to go into a Facebook page, then that's On The Road Media Australia. On the Road Media Australian, if you'd like the, if you'd like the Facebook page, that would be just terrific. So why don't we have another song for you? I reckon, seeing we're talking about being on the road, you know, doing the modifications to the brakes and, and fixing up your fuel so you know what, you know, you're not letting your fuel tank run too low, then we might have got to travel on. Because we've got to travel on, haven't we? We've got to travel on. So what about Cold Joy, Johnny Farnham, Brian Henderson? If you remember Brian Henderson, he used to read the news on Channel 9, but he was also the host of Bandstand. So I think that's terrific. So here we go. Brian Henderson, Johnny Farnham, Cole Joy, got to travel on. You enjoyed that. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. I'll be back with you in a little while, but you enjoy the song in the meantime. Johnny, but Johnny can't come home. 
Fabulous to hear the Farnham. Fabulous to hear Brian Henderson and, of course, Cole Joy. And I tell you, after this segment, after this segment, because I've got to give you some terrific info about some places to go to, but after this segment, I'm going to play you a song that I just reckon if there's a song of the year that you're going to love, that you're going to love, that sort of just gets you humming along all day, I'm going to play it for you. And I reckon, I reckon there's a real good chance you haven't heard it. So stick around for that because it's going to come up. And then I'll tell you all about it and I'll tell you all about the artists because they're that good. But Max Tracks, you've heard of Max Tracks. Max Tracks have been around. They're an Aussie company. They're made in Australia. They're Australian-owned. But they get to go to a lot of places. So they've got four-wheel drive tracks and destinations and they've picked out five that they think are just terrific. And, of course, if you haven't been to them, hey, you've got to put them on your list, haven't you? Now, Fraser Island, as they say, it is one of their all-time favourites. It's definitely one of my all-time favourites. I had a great time there. It's only three hours' drive north of Brisbane, so and it's part of the Great Sandy National Park. It's, it's, it's world heritage. It's world heritage. And it's just one of those fabulous places that if you had a... In fact, the Aboriginal word is Kagari, K-G-A-R-I, and it means paradise, and by golly, they're not wrong. So you go about three hours north of Brisbane, then you've got to go out uh, onto the barge, and you'll get there, but it's just, it's the world's largest sand island. World's largest sand island, and you've got white sandy beaches that you can drive on and camp behind, and you've got lush, tall rainforests, and oh, crystal clear freshwater lakes and when I say crystal clear so pristine so beautiful in fact you're not supposed to even wear suntan lotion in the water because the water is so clean and then you've got vast paperback or paperback I'm sorry and then you've got uh, sedge swamps and huge sand dunes and rugged rocky headlands and the four-wheel driving is fabulous Fabulous. The camping is terrific. The fishing, outstanding. So the easiest access is via the Manta Ray Barge, and that's just a short crossing to the island's southern end from Inskip Point, and that's just a short drive north of Rainbow Beach. So there you go. Number one, Fraser Island. Number two is Mount Moffat, uh, much less well-known than its famous neighbour Carnarvon Gorge. But the Mount Moffat section of the Carnarvon National Park in central Queensland sandstone belt, it's got a remote feel, it's amazingly scenic, it's got a terrific history. The park's about 600 kilometres northwest of Brisbane, features unique, unique sandstone outcrops and caves and pillars and arches. It's got Queensland's highest plateau and some of the tallest trees. You've got the giant swamp mahogany at the end of Carnarvon Creek. You've got rock art, beautiful, beautiful rock art, and the hideout cave of a couple of notorious local bush rangers, which was the infamous Kenneth Brothers. Kenneth, K-E-N-N-I-F-F, if you're looking them up. Then you've got sandstone features. You've got Lot's Wife, Marling Arch, the chimneys, the looking glass, the tombs, Kookaburra Cave. Remember Kookaburra Cave because we're going to come back to Kookaburra in just a little while and Cathedral Rock and scatter throughout the park. And then you make for beautiful little walks. And if you've got your camera with you, you are bound to get some great photos. Great photos. And there's four basic camping areas with toilets and they're scattered throughout the park. And the track to the top of Consuela Tableland, which is the roof of Queensland. It's accessible by high-clearance four-wheel drives in dry weather. Now, then you've got Blanco Falls. Ah, oh. do you remember Do you remember the Australian Outback Survivor 2? Survivor. 
Remember Survivor, the American TV show Survivor? Well, they did, that's where they went. This is to Blanco Fall. So it's, it focused the attention of the world on this beautiful, ruggedly spectacular part of North Queensland, the wet tropics, the World Heritage Area. You've got towering waterfalls and sandy riverbanks and sheer granite cliffs and crystal clear streams that look so beautiful. But when you see them, like beautiful on the TV, but when you see them in real life, oh my golly, 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 it's just amazing. So you, you can set up camp, do all the things. It's the beautiful Gun National Park. It's on the Great Dividing Range between Townsville and Cairns. And then you've got the sparkling waters of Blenko Creek. And that tumbles about 90 metres. Whoa! And then 230 metres to the bottom of the gorge before it joins the Herbert River. Oh, magic. So, and above the falls, you've got Blenko Creek. That's great for swimming. And, and then you've got a couple of rough four-wheel drive tracks. So, oh, it's just beautiful. So it's possible to hike down uh, from one of the lookouts to confluence of, or the, or the confluence of Blenko Creek and the Herbert River. But it's it's about a one and a half K foot track and it drops about 300 metres down. So you've got to be a bit fit. You've got to be a bit fit, so make sure that you've got a bit of experience going as well because it's not really a, a well-marked track. And the drive up from the small hamlet of Kennedy is, is just lovely. So if you want views and if you want uh, beautiful campsites, oh, that's where you go. Number four is the Welford National Park. So if the Simpson Desert seems just a tad too far to head, then the 124,000 hectare. It's a former cattle station. It's called Welford National Park. It's in Queensland, Central West. We're focusing on Queensland a bit, aren't we? <laughs> and it makes, so you just got to write these down. And when Queensland opens up again, then away we go again. We tried it once, we'll try it again. So it makes a great alternative. And the arid lands destination. So you've got the contrast of colours. You've got the red sand dunes. You've got the golden green spinifex. You've got the white barked ghost gums. The banks of the muddy brown channels of the Barku River. My golly, it's colourful, isn't it? And you've got the majestic red river gums, the Mitchell grass plains, the mulga woodlands, the crusty clay plains, the stony escarpments. Oh, you're feeling good. You're feeling good. So you've got rare wildlife there. You've got the yellow-footed rock wallaby, the mulga parrot. You might spot some grey kangaroos, some wallaroos, some major Mitchell cockatoos, some red-winged parrots. Oh, the Mallee ringnecks. It's just going to be terrific. So you've also got beautiful parts to go. So when the, when the European settlers went in there, they set up the stockyards and the National Trust listed in 1882. So you've got a, a rammed earth homestead, a rammed earth homestead. It now serves as the, the park ranger base, but Welford's got three self-guided scenic four-wheel drive tours. So you've got the Desert River and the Mulga. Oh, you're going to have a good time. So you've got pit toilets as well and you've got the Baku which is great for canoeing and kayaking and all those fabulous things. Now, then you've got number five, and here we go, the Munger Theory National Park, which was formerly the Simpson Desert National Park. So um, <laughs> it's just one of those places you've got to go to, and they reckon, you might say, oh, why would you go there? It's just all sand. Well, they reckon, they reckon when you go there, you have to go back. You just have to go back. So the Simpson Desert is named after Alfred Simpson. Listen to this. This is so good. It's named after Alfred Simpson of the washing machines. Remember the washing the Simpson washing machines? So the Simpson Desert's named after him. How good is that? 
Uh, but he was also a former president of the Royal Geographical Society of South Australia. So it's the world's largest parallel sand dune desert. So it covers 176,000 square kilometres. It's just vast. So you've got colours, you've got deep red, you've got the pale yellow, you've got the white. It straddles the border of Queensland and South Australia and the Northern Territory. And it's a destination, as I say, it'll just lure you back again and again because you've got such desolate beauty. So there are a few routes that cross the desert from east to west. Uh, you've, you've got the, uh, the French line, the Rig Road, the Madigan line. Nearly got to do the Madigan line, nearly got to do it, and then work got in the way. Ah, that happens. So then uh, this place will just stir your soul. It's wonderful. There's, there's one part that you can do 1,100 sand dunes. Uh, 1,100. That's how many you've got to cross. So you load up your four-wheel drive. And away you go. So this is just going to be terrific. Make sure you fill up your petrol tanks or your diesel tanks, your petrol tanks, whatever you got, you make sure. Now, I promised you, because that came from Max Tracks. Now, Max Tracks, as I said, are Australian. And they've got this butte thing. If you've got a camper trailer and you get stuck in the sand, they've got a skid. It's called a trailer skid. So you can use your Max Tracks to get your four-wheel drive out. But if your trailer needs to be pulled out as well, have a look at the trailer skid so you can go to maxtrax, M-A-X-T-R-A-X dot com dot A-U. But I promise you some music and we were talking about all those beautiful birds. Now, this group, it's a couple, husband and wife, they're called the Cartwheels. So write that down, C-A-R-T-W-H-E-E-L-S, the Cartwheels, Aussie. Now, as Aussie as, not famous, but by golly, they should be. They should own the world, this couple. The, the sound of this lady's voice is magnificent. The husband's guitaring skills are amazing. So I'm going to play you a song now. It's called Kookaburra Calling because I mentioned to you earlier on, get ready for Kookaburra. So this song's called Kookaburra Calling. And I reckon go onto YouTube, go and buy their EP, do whatever you want to do because these people deserve it. They are the most sweet, sweet people, I reckon. So Kookaburra calling, here it comes. This is the Cartwheels. You enjoy that. I reckon you're just going to be humming and singing this all day. Here we go, the Cartwheels. Singing by the light 
Yeah, that was Kookaburra calling by the cartwheels. I reckon, I reckon you're going to be humming that all day. I know I will be. I know I will be. All righty, here comes Steve from Heron Forbes. Oh, g'day, it's Scott Gibbons. We're here, we're on the road, and I'll tell you where I'm on the road right now. I'm at North Mead, and I'm at Heron Forbes Machinery House, who are just the most amazing people. And I'm with Steve, who's one of the most amazing people. And Steve's going to tell us what Heron Forbes do for the caravan motorhome industry. So if you're looking for tools, you go to Heron Forbes because you don't get toy tools, you get real tools. So Steve, what do you reckon people could come into Heron Forbes and look at if they're on the road, if they've got a motorhome, a caravan, what would you reckon? Uh, well, Scott, if you're, on the home, if you're on the road, we would probably be looking at uh, sheet metal equipment like lock seamers, guillotines, pan brakes, welders, metal and wood cutting bandsaws, benches, vices, paddle beating tools, hydraulic jacks and jack stands. By golly. Now, jack stands are something that I think nearly everybody should have when they're travelling. So tell us about your range of jack stands. Uh, jack stands we do uh, from small to large, depending on the size of your uh, rig, uh, which would give you good... Oh. Uh, yeah, jack stands. We've got uh, three-and-a-half tonne to four-tonne jack stands, which are good for any size rig that you might have. Uh, nice and safe to go under your axles if you need to change a tyre or indeed working on there, changing berries and such like. So that's the thing, isn't it? Because a lot of people just depend on a jack and if you're using a jack, that can be, maybe, not the safest decision. That's right, yeah. If you want to shorten your life, you go under a caravan without a jack stand under it. (laughs) (laughs) So what other things have you got that... that I, I know you just gave me a whole list of things there, but the simple ones that people can use, like the tools that you have, a lot of people say... When you tighten up your wheels, you need to have a, a particular torque on them. So have you got torque wrenches and things? Uh, we don't stock torque wrenches and uh, small hand tools. We're more industrial size equipment rather than heavy workshop equipment than hand tools. But uh, there's second to none of us as far as uh, hand tool, uh, as far as heavy equipment is concerned. Uh, general workshop equipment, so automotive, engineering, maintenance, woodworking and hobbyist alike. So during this COVID-19 crisis, I would imagine that you've got hobbyists galore just coming into Heron Forbes. Um, our business has uh, grown exponentially over the COVID crisis, so we're very, <laughs> very lucky to say, because uh, everybody's locked away at home, uh, the garage is empty, they've got projects they've been wanting to get up for years, and now, the, now is the time. And because we're a national show, because we, we go all the way through on the Vast Network, which is Vast Channel 634, but you're also national. Heron Forbes are national and, I believe, now international. Yes. Uh, yeah, to the north of us here, we have Brisbane, we have here in Sydney, we've got a shop in Melbourne, in Dandenong, we've got a shop in Western Australia and now Auckland and Christchurch in New Zealand. Auckland and Christchurch. Now, Heron Forbes going international, but you're an Australian company. You've been around since, what, 19... 1930, we were established. Uh, this year being 2020 is our 90th year. We've just celebrated that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was fun galore. And then when we say Hare and Forbes, which is H-A-R-E, Hare and Forbes, the Hare family is still involved in the business. Yes, I now work for the fourth generation of the Hare family. Wow. Um, that is, that's something terrifically good to be proud of, isn't it? Yeah. That it's not only an Australian company, but the Australians are still involved every day. That's right, yeah. And they're a family business and they treat their staff like family as well. All right, so if people are coming to 
look at your website, what website should they go to? Uh, machineryhouse.com.au if you're in Australia, if you're in New Zealand, it's machineryhouse.co.nz. All right, so we haven't gone... Well, we do have listeners in New Zealand, we do, so you, you can take that down. But for the Australian listeners, it's machineryhouse... Machineryhouse.com.au. There you go. So that's Steve. So if you're after something serious, serious tools, then you go to Heron Forbes. Steve will probably be there to help you, but he knows all about the whole work. I've been with him all day. He's, he's taken me around, showing me so much stuff. So Heron Forbes Machinery House, you go and check them out. But machinerhouse.com.au. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. Steve, do you have a favourite song that, that you like from an Aussie band? Who's your favourite Aussie band? Oh. Just pick out a band and we'll pick out a song. Wow. Well. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, Johnny Farnham, or do you like uh, Slim Dusty? Who, who do you like? No, no, I'm probably uh, late. late. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm probably late 70s. I, I was into Midnight Oil as a younger person. Oh, the oils. Yes, All right, yes, so w- which one do you want? Beds are burning or you yeah, choose beds something are else? Burning. Beds yeah. are burning. Midnight yeah. Oil. Here we yeah. go. This is for you, Steve. Here we go right now. We'll be back with you in a little while. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. Thanks, Steve, for your time. Give it back.
Beds are burning the oil, Steve. Thanks for that. Don't forget, if you want the butte tools, then you go to machineryhouse.com.au. Now, what about we hit the trail? We hit the road and we head up to the Territory, the Northern Territory, because so many people head off to the top end and there's so many beautiful things up there and they go to Kakadu and they go to Litchfield National Park. But not far away is Gregory and Nitmaluk National Parks, and they're close to Catherine and each has got its own attractions and and 4x4 Australia, they tell us all about it because Nitmaluk National Park, it borders on the southern edge of the Kakadu National Park and you can spend a couple of days there, you can spend some time, you can do all the things they want. But if you're coming from the southern end of Kakadu, Catherine's just 90k south of Pine Creek once you hit the highway. But if you're lucky enough to be driving north on a big adventure, then Catherine's about 1200k north of Alice Springs or about 685k from Tennant Creek. So it's wonderful. But Catherine's a large regional town. You've got all the facilities, so if you want to restock your vehicle for the next leg of your journey, you could, you can. You've got supermarkets, you've got bottle shops, you've got camping supplies. Gregory National Park's about 160k southwest of town, and Nitluck's accessible right from the edge of town, making it perfect if you just want a short visit. But Gorge Country is wonderful. If, if you want 4x4 tracks, if that's what you're looking for, then Gregory National Park is where you want to head because there's no off-road tracks in Nitmaluk. So there's a little clue for you. But Nitmaluk covers the area from the southern border of Kakadu down to Catherine, and it takes in the escarpments and the gorges created by the Catherine River. So the main National Park Office and Visitor Centre is just 30k from Catherine at the southern end of Catherine, which is the Nitmaluk Gorge. Now, the national, or the natural, I'm sorry, the natural features of the park are best known for because you've got the visitor centre, you've got the kiosk, you've got the information booth, great kickoff point, and you can do all the things. If you want to go boating, you can. If you want a helicopter, you've got it. If you want walking trips, you've got it. It's just beautiful. And you've got the walking tracks, including, if you want, there's some extended overnight hikes, and there's campsites, and there's other facilities in the park, and again, you've got the river, and the gorge systems, and the fishing, and ah, the barramundi, whoo-hoo, barramundi, eh? (laughs) But you've got the Jawoin Guide, so the park is on the land of the Jawoin traditional owners, and you'll find that the park rangers are all Indigenous folk, and most of them are Jawoin people. So you can join a boat tour. You can head up the gorge, and the ranger will be able to point out points of interest, traditional art sites, the wildlife. He'll even point out crocodiles, which are really plentiful in the lower sections of the gorge. And during the dry season, the gorge is broken up into various sections by natural rock fords which allow the rangers to search out and remove the crocs from the upper reaches, making them safe again for the visitors. Nice people, like them a lot. So it also allows you, me, the park visitors, we can canoe or we can kayak into the gorge. So you can hire kayaks from the visitor centre and, and the boat tour. You, you'll be dropped off at the first ford from where you can paddle up to the second section of the gorge. And it's a unique experience. You'll slide through the waters below towering sandstone cliffs. Now, if you haven't kayaked with towering sandstone cliffs beside you, I'm telling you, it is an experience. I've done it, but oh, magic. So then you've got, you'll pass some beaches and you've got inlets and you've got waterfalls and they're dropping down, of course. And then you've got some of the beaches have signs on them warning you, don't come ashore, do not come ashore because they're known resting places and nesting places for the crocodiles. 
Then you can paddle another about a two and a half K for the second section of the gorge. And over a few hours, you'll reach the next ford. And from there, you can just lift your, your kayak or your canoe over the rocks to the third gorge. And there are nine sections of gorge, nine of them to explore in total if you want to. So that's fabulous. So you can, you can then paddle back and you might want to. You might want to do an overnight trip. You might want to do anything like that. But with the waters uh, easing below the gorge, you, you can you can go for a fly. You know, the Nitmaluk scenic flights, you can jump in one of these. You'll pay for it, but by golly, hey, this is a bit special. So you'll get flights of varying length and you'll get flights of different prices to suit different budgets and schedules and all the things like that. But um, if you do the eight-gorge flight, that'll take you over the places that you've paddled and kayaked and done all the things and you go further up the gorge and the, uh, you'll find the pilots super, super informative. So they'll point out all the points of interest before you'll, you'll be put down on the gorge rim for your short leg stretch. So you get a little stretch of the legs and then you can, you'll find that some of the pilots, uh, one of the interesting jobs for them when they're not taking passengers on scenic flights, is scouting the gorge with the park rangers after the wet season to find and isolate the crocodiles that may have entered and then become trapped in between the rock fords while the water level is high. So they, they'll fly low over the gorge walls to get the best view of the terrain and then the ranger can then trap them and remove the crocs. Isn't that a good idea? Good, good that. That is good. Now, here's another thing. If you're going to be travelling up the Northern Territory and if you're driving... Uh, then and you've got teenagers with you, then you're probably going to have some talks and chats and discussions and talking with teenagers is always good, isn't it? So why don't we finish the show this week? Hey, it's Scott Gibbons, we're on the road. If you want more, you can go onto our website, which is ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au. On there, you'll find all the podcasts. You can listen to us for hours and hours and hours. And if you want to go onto a Facebook page you like that, that's On The Road Media Australia. On The Road Media Australia. But I reckon we'll give you a bit of a funny one to finish off with. This is It's a song called Sort of Doing Nothing, and it, it's by Pete Dennehy. So he's talking to his teenager. You'll love this. If you haven't heard it for some time, you will love it. So this is Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. We are on the road now. We're going to finish off. Here's Pete Dennehy, Sort of Doing Nothing. You'll enjoy this. You'll laugh. See you next week. How have you been? Good. How's your dog? Good. How's college going? Good. All hunky-dory? Yep. You going out tonight? Yep. You going to see your friends? Yep. You going to have a good catch-up? Yep. That should be great. Yep. Where'd you go? Nowhere. Who'd you see? No one. What'd you do? Nothing. Did you have a good time? Yep. What's on tonight? Nothing. You're not seeing your mates? No. You're just staying at home? Yep. What do you do? Nothing. Yep, yep, nothing, nothing, sort of, don't know, nowhere good. Yep, no, don't know, no one, sort of, don't know, nothing. You feeling alright? Yep. How's your ankle? Good. When's your exam? Have you done much study? No. What's on tomorrow? Dunno. You playing cricket? Dunno. Enjoying cricket? Sort of. Sort of, eh? Yep. Yep, yep, nothing, nothing, sort of. Dunno, no, we're good. Yep, no, dunno, no one, sort of. Dunno, nothing. 
How's your girlfriend? Good. Is she away this week? Yep. Oh, you must be missing her. Yep. Have you rung her yet? No. Well, I'll catch you later. Yep. Don't get too stressed. No. What's on tomorrow? What? What's on tomorrow? Nothing. Yep, yep, nothing, nothing, sort of, don't know, nowhere good. Yep, no, don't know, no one, sort of, don't know, nothing. Yep, yep, nothing, nothing, sort of, don't know, nowhere good. Yep, no, don't know, no one, sort of, don't